0: It's good, y'all. What's good, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Welcome to another episode of the Amataka T.I.S. Podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed show for you today, all things football. Don't worry, I will get to the National Basketball Association. Look forward to that on Saturday's episode. But today, it's all football. Week 15 recap of the National Football League. Uh, from the Bills clinching the AFC East for the first time in 25 years to the Seahawks clinching a playoff spot against Washington. Falcons blowing another lead to Tom Brady. What else is new? Uh, the Jets and the Rams, the debacle that was that game. Uh, the Chiefs win another game. What a surprise. And the Bengals and the Steelers, Monday night game, and the, and my thoughts on the uh, college football playoff Final Four that was announced on Sunday. Uh, so let's get right into it here on this uh, last episode before the Christmas holiday after today you got one after today you we got uh what Two more episodes left of 2020 and then we flip the calendar to 2021 come uh, January the second. So uh, away we go. Uh first of all let's start let's start off first things first and you gotta go all the way back to Saturday, which is uh jog your memory a little bit, but there's two, you know, two games that I was played on Saturday, of course, with uh that I want to get on the board here, and then we get to the Sunday action and then away we will go. Uh Buffalo took care of business against Denver, 48-19. They clinched their first division title in 25 years. Uh, first division title since uh, 1995. Huge uh, huge props to the Buffalo Bills, huge props to Josh Allen, who's a stud. Huge props to Stephon Diggs, who has uh, made who has found his who has found uh, his niche as being a part of the Buffalo Bills receiving court, he had 11 receptions and 147 yards on Saturday, and then Cole Beasley reinventing himself after uh, you know uh, leaving the Dallas Cowboys headed over to the Buffalo Bills. He had an 8-reception day of 112 yards receiving, so a huge shout-out to them. Huge shout-out to that defense for uh, shutting down the Denver Broncos. Huge shout-out to uh, Sean McDermott and that entire coaching staff and the ownership just, and congratulations Congratulations to the Bills fans. Congratulations to the young Bills fans who have had to live with Tom outside of 2008, when the adult when the Dolphins won it, have had to live with the Patriots winning the AFC East every single year of their existence prior to this year. So, for the Buffalo Bills fan that's 24 years of age or younger, could not be more happy for you all. For the Buffalo Bills fan that's in their thir- it's in their 30s that that, you know, r- remembers vaguely as a little kid with the four straight Super Bowl losses and vividly remembers the mi- the, uh, the Music City Miracle and cherish just as much as you possibly can. And then for the old fogies that go back to Super Bowl uh, 25, 30 years ago with Scott Norwood, White, Wright, losing to the Cowboys in Pasadena and in, uh, and in Atlanta and then losing to uh, the Redskins in 1991, and you know that's still that's up there in their, you know fifties and sixties or maybe even seventies that still holding out hope that they can see their Buffalo Bills win a Super Bowl in their lifetime. I feel so great for you. So shout out. That is my big. That is my congratulatory little piece for the Buffalo bit for the for the Buffalo Bills. As we get them on the board here, in item number one, item number two is Green Bay Packers, and they are a, I tell you, they they are a good team. They are a good team, but boy, they are a flawed, 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 flawed football team. They had a they had a twenty-one to three lead at halftime. And allowed Carolina to get back into it in the second half, only mustering up three points, though, in a field goal that they kicked in the fourth quarter. Went went to halftime with a twenty, with a twenty-one to three lead, and they near and they nearly squandered it and uh, and and th- flushed it down the toilet, so to speak. And Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, did not have a great game by his standards: twenty for twenty-nine, one hundred forty-three yards passing. Uh, threw a touchdown pass. Aaron Jones, though, hell of a running back. Absolutely one hell of a running back. 20 carries, 145 yards, rushing, and a touchdown for him as well. Uh, they made the game interesting. Which, if you're the Green Bay Packers trying to get the number one seed in the NFC, you know, and with, a, with an essential cakewalk of a schedule uh, outside of the game against Tennessee, but a cakewalk of the schedule down the stretch here in December, it would have been a bad loss, bad, 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 bad bad loss if you will, if they would have lost to Carolina. So they're in trouble. Their offense, their offense should have put up way more than twenty, than twenty one points, uh, or excuse me, way more than twenty four points in the game. They should have dropped thirty, could have dropped forty in the game. The sloppy, sloppy game offensively for Green Bay. They allowed Carolina to have a chance. uh, Late in that game, they had it with a nice kick return. I believe they got out to their own forty-yard line, and then back-to-back penalties with Carolina moved them back all the way to the ten. And with with less than twenty seconds left, no timeouts, got to drive the ball ninety yards. Carolina shot themselves in the foot twice back to back with stupid penalties, and they ended up losing the game. But the fact that Carolina had the ball with the chance to take the lead, or take the or tie it, excuse me, is uh is uh, it should be a red flag in and of itself that Carolina had a chance to get the ball back late in the fourth quarter to tie, to tie the game up. And if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you'll take the victory. But you, but your offense was not. Uh, fluid and was not great by any stretch of the imagination. If I was a Packers fan, that would cons- that would concern me a little bit. It would concern me, but the Packers get the win, twenty four sixteen. Nevertheless, uh, game. Number three is as we go to Sunday is the Seattle Seahawks going up against uh, the Washington Redskins. Seattle took care of business, beating Washington twenty to fifteen. Uh, and I told and I was into this game because it was the only because it was the quote unquote marquee game of the one o'clock window. And of course, my brother's a Seahawks fan, so he you know lived and breathed on every down. But I and then of course our buddy uh, Brendan friend of the program. I told him I said Brendan if you cannot i said brennan the only way you all can knock off seattle is you if is, is one is one thing one thing only that your team has to do and that is replicate what you did in the in the uh san francisco game the week before and force turnovers and maybe score on one off of or on one of your turnovers. You cannot beat the Seattle Seahawks when your offense is that putrid and that bad without making Russell Wilson turn over the football. Now they did it once, but to beat the Seahawks, you got to you got to make him throw two, three interceptions, force a fumble or two. Because the Seattle, because when it comes down head to head of who's got the better team, who's got the better roster, top to bottom, offensively, I don't, I understand the the Washington's defense is top five in football. Eventually, Russell Wilson and his genius and his greatness is going is going to break is going to eventually, eventually at some point in the game break through. Eventually, it was a it was a defensive game. It was a defensive battle. Throughout the entire game, but you had to expect it. And I said, Brandon, you can't win if you can't force Russ Wilson to turn over the football. If Russ Wilson doesn't turn over the football at least one time or more, you're finished. You're not winning the game. You can sit up there and say, well, we'll play conservative. We won't risk anything. We won't, you know, we, we as long as we make him kick field goals, we got anything to worry about. I'm like, Brennan." You can make them kick field goals all the all the all day long, but if your offense can't get passes, can't get past the fifty yard line, and can't make Russell Wilson turn over the football, I don't give a crap if if uh, if their kicker kicks six or seven or eight field goals in the game. You're still losing because your offense stinks. Dwayne Haskins stinks, and you're not forced, and you're not forcing turnovers, which is how this team. Uh, which is how this team wins. Which is how that team wins ball games with their stagnant offense. is forced and turnovers. It's how they beat Pittsburgh, and that's how they beat uh, San Francisco the week before. So you gotta. So if you can't make Russell, and once is not enough with with the Seahawks, you gotta make them two, th- two, three interceptions. That is how, how you win the game, and you gotta score off of one of them too. You can't get the ball back and then fought around on offense and then three and out like 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 nothing ever happened you can you can you can you cannot beat the Seattle Seahawks playing that way and dwayne, and dwayne haskins stinks he's thirty eight for fifty five two hundred and ninety five yards a touchdown two interceptions he's throwing again dwayne ha- dwayne haskins and he fumbled the football eh, dwayne haskins is terrible absolutely terrible and the fact that he actually went out after the game on Sunday without a mask with the strip club. I I I do not under I I can't even I can't even comprehend it. It's so it's so stupid and so asinine. I cannot comprehend it, for anything. I I I just can't. You play like crap. You lost the game that you needed to win in theory for the division. I mean, winning the division at nine and seven looks a whole lot more quote unquote. Uh, nicer than winning your division at eight and eight or or seven and nine, but that's a game that they had to win at home against the Seattle Seahawks, who they could end up playing wild-card weekend, and you spit the bit, you 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 stink anyway. Your backs, I mean, you keep they keep this guy was benched for Kyle Allen, who ended up breaking his ankle, and then they went to Alex Smith. This guy was benched, benched. Because he's cause he's that bad, benched. Quarterback replaces him, breaks his ankle, and comes Alex Smith. Alex Smith hurts his calf, and comes Dwayne Haskins. So he's already running on thin ice as it is, as far as his career is concerned. He is not exactly a uh, a uh, a guarantee to be a part of that Washington franchise for years down in the future. He's he is no, he is no uh he is he's no um he's no uh he's no um Joe Burrow, he's no Herbert, he's no Tua, he's no Lamar Jackson, he's no Patrick Mahomes. Okay? He he garbage. Straight garbage. And the fact that he went out there after a loss where their offense was inept as all get out for him to go to a strip club after a loss. Loss in a key game in the middle of a playoff race in the middle of December with COVID rising all over the place with no mask on is so egregiously stupid. I I, I to defend it you can you can you can't it's so egregiously stupid you can't even defend it. You cannot defend this. This is dumb. So mind-boggingly dumb. You lost. Sit go home, watch film, take notes, study what you did. If you want to be great, this is how you be this this is how you achieve greatness. Greatness isn't gonna happen to you overnight. It isn't based on luck. It isn't the lottery. No, you if you want to be great, you have to wor- work and earn it. You're not you're not gonna be great bouncing around strip clubs the nights at the the nights of the same day you lost a football game where you were, let's call it like we see it, Dwayne Haskins is no Doug Williams under any circumstances. He is trash with a capital T. He stinks. I I mean I I, I, I do not understand it. I really don't. I really don't. And I tell you this. The, i understand the team find him and took away his his quote-unquote you know his captain thing on the team look my football team he would have been cut would have been cut i'll i'll find i'll find a quarter i'll find a quarterback off of somebody else's practice squad i'd cut him i would i'd i'd cut his ass in a heartbeat i would cut him in a heartbeat We're in the middle of a playoff chase for the division against an opponent who we could see, what, two, three weeks down the road in a playoff setting? You play like crap, you fumble the ball, you throw two interceptions, and you're sitting up there at a strip club with no mask on after a loss? Are you kidding me? I I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. And he's not the only one of these athletes that go out there at strip club, uh, guys. Are we? I mean, are you, are you all so? I mean, I I hate the I hate the sound. Mike, I hate to sound uh, raunchy. But are you all that really horny that you all can't like function without going to a strip club? I'm I mean I I'm I'm totally I'm totally serious about this. Are you all that like horny or that addicted to strip clubs that you have to go to them in the middle of a pandemic no less? The same day after you and your offense got your behinds kicked at home? Like, say, like this uh, earth earth to Haskins please. I don't I do, I don't I don't get it. You want it you want you want to look at you want to look at booty they got websites for that you want to, you want to look at booty they got websites for that you want to touch it smack it do whatever you want Here's an idea invite them over to your house why go into a public setting risking yourself and your teammates just because you just because you want to go ahead and and, and, and slap a couple asses and and get yourself off I, I, I don't understand the logic behind that. I really, really don't. Because it's not that these guys don't have million dollar mansions or penthouses they can invite these girls home with. I don't get it. I, re- I really, really don't get it. And again, there's plenty of websites if you want to get your little fix. I, I, I don't understand it. You, you cannot be more stupid. More, more stupid. More stupid selfish and self-centered if if you tried. Dwayne Dwayne Haskins is an idiot and if he was on my football team he would have been cut ASAP. Falcons blew another uh, lead to Tom Brady. They blew 2 17-point leads in case you were wondering. I mean, boy, does boy does this team invent new ways to lose? I mean, I I swear it's like a talent, and you know, for, and for everyone else that sits up here and, and overrates Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan this, Matt Ryan that. Well, how when is it when Matt when his, when Matt Ryan and his fat when his when his teammates his defense of the teams he plays on? Why is it that? And it's not just in this game. It's it's in the it's in the Chicago game. It's in the it was in the Dallas game back in September. Hell, we need even go all the way back to Super Bowl Fifty One when when he when they choked against Brady the first time. Why is that? Every single time, he when Matt Ryan sees that his defense is on the ropes and is and is losing and is losing their large lead play-by-play, drive-by-drive, first down-by-first down, touchdown-by-touchdown. Touchdown, why doesn't he say, hey, enough of this foolishness. I'm going to put this game out of reach myself. Why doesn't he put, literally put his team on his shoulders, put the game on his shoulders, and nip it in the bud before his defense has a chance to blow it? Every single time the Falcons blow these leads, whether it's to Chicago, Dallas, uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl, or the Brady on Sunday— not not only does the defense collapse, Matt Ryan does nothing in the second half. Absolutely nothing. How do you blow two 17 point leads? I, I don't understand that. I really, I really this team invents new ways to new ways to choke it. It's 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 astonishing how talented of a football team they are at choking. Two seventeen point leads just flushed down the toilet? Really? I, 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 and I tell you this, I understand they fired the GM and they fired the... They need to blow up everything. Get rid of Matt Ryan, get rid of get, Julio, get rid of everybody. It's a tough reality, but the Falcons got to blow it up. Because they got a new coach in there and they're still doing the same thing that they were doing back in September with Dan Quinn. It makes no sense. Matt Ryan can't deliver his team. And, and when their defense gets on the ropes, they fall apart like a cheap tent. And I understand and I understand people are gonna say rough ball and it was blatant and it was egregious and it was horrifying. Not not, you know, I using hyperbole there, but it was I mean, it it was egregious watching that ref literally move the ball up to two inches, only for them when they had the measurement to find out that he was short, even when the refs cheated, quote unquote. To help the uh, to help the Bucks, I mean he was he what he was nowhere near near the line to gain for the first down. What happens? refs says, oh yeah, let's just move it, you know, three inches forward, and then bring out the measurement stick. And and like in the Raven Pittsburgh game, they're about an inch short of t- of uh, touching or crossing that uh that uh that measurement stick, and they call it a first down. I mean really now really this is what we're gonna do now. We're going to have the refs cheat to help Brady win games. I understand that they've done it before and it's not these NFL refs' first rodeo at it. But this is what we're going to do now. We're going to literally take the football and and casually glide it up the field three inches, thinking that nobody's going to notice. And then we'll bring the chain game out here, and you know, and and everyone in America sees that that ball is about an inch short of the line of gain. Nope, we caught first down because Tom Brady's one of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are we are we kidding ourselves here? Really? This this is what we're going to do now, with NFL officials. We're going to cheat purposely. On camera looking like a complete look- looking like idiots to help Brady win football games, really Now don't get me wrong atlanta the Atlanta Falcons don't need the extra help to lose the Brady and the blow leads. We get that, and I understand you know the Falcons probably would have lost that game anyway, considering that they blew two seventeen point leads in a game, but really, this is what we're gonna do now, shameful absolutely shameful as far as the colts and texans are concerned the the, tech, the colts get lucky and get and uh, you know strike a gold by the hair of their Chinny chin chin once again against uh, against houston first time they met in houston uh ha- uh they fumbled at the goal line. They fumbled at the goal line back to in back to back games. Houston versus Indianapolis, and Indianapolis wins the game twenty seven to twenty, and they stay even with Tennessee as far as the AFC South is concerned. Uh, and then of course just the law, and then of course it's the LA Rams, who who and Mike in Orange County, my buddy, this is for you, who all I heard about after the uh, after the Cardinal game after the patriot game all i heard was that the rams this the rams that mcveigh is a great coach he's such a genius they they look at them they run the football they like play gritty smash mouth Football that that isn't exciting to watch. They're you know they're boring to watch on offense on purpose. They run the ball well. They don't let Jared Goff do too much. Jared Goff's a good quarterback. He outplayed Breeze in the championship game two years ago. Went on and on and on and on and on about the Los Angeles Rams. Well, please explain to me against a zero and thirteen Jets team. and tanking for the number one pick in the draft. Please explain to me why a team that had to fly cross-country, who had been winless heading into this game all year, explain to me why a team with nine wins and at the time four losses, that are not only trying to compete with Seattle for the NFC West Division Championship, but also possibly get a second or a third seed in the NFC playoff picture. They will allow the winless New York Jets to fly cross-country with Adam Gase as their head coach. Not Weeb Eubank, Adam Gates, as their head coach, fly cross country and they get absolutely ambushed by the New York Jets. How in God's name does that happen? How does that happen? How does that happen? Yet all I hear about is golf this. Golf's a good quarterback. Golf golf throws the football well. He doesn't try to do too much. McVay, Mr. Wonderboy, McVeigh. He's gonna be he's gonna be one of the greatest coaches in the NFL. He's top five, top ten best coach in the NFL right now. Take him over Shanahan. He's right up there with Belichick. Oh, what a job he did up coaching Belichick in the pay. Nonsense! When you lose to the winless Jets, when you're supposed to be in the middle of a playoff hunt, that is at home, no less, and they have to the fly across country. That is inexcusable. That is inexcusable. That's inexcusable. You cannot sit up here. You cannot allow Jer- Sam Darnold, who for the most part of the season has been totally inept, to walk up into SoFi and so- and all of a sudden look like the second coming of Joe Namath and expect to get away with that on my watch. After I've heard time and time and time again, and heard everyone and their mother waxing poetic about the Los Angeles Rams being a potential Super Bowl contender in the NFC, and then you allow the hapless Jets to walk in your into your building and get their first win of the season. That is a joke. And all I ever hear about is Jared Goff this, Jared Goff that, when he, again, and I've said it once, I'll say it again, and I don't care if I have to say it 100,000 times. I will continue to say it until my mind is permanently changed for good and when I see some consistency from him. Jared Goff is an average quarterback at best. Average he is no scrub, he does not he is no scrub, but at the same time, he's no Kurt Warner, he's no Mahomes, he is no he is no Rogers, he is no Burrow, he is no Brady, he is no Breeze, he is no uh he 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 is no um I mean he is he is no Ben Roethlisberger to a certain degree. He is no he is no Lamar Jackson. He is no Baker Mayfield. He is an average quarterback at best. No Kyler Murray. He's at he's average. Average quarterback at best. Why? Well, let his well here's your example right here. Nine and four, going up against the winless, hapless Jets, tanking for the number one seed. I, I get it. Players and coaches don't tank, but still, uh, they and flying cross country, cross country, and you spit the bit like that. Everyone went on and on and on about Cam Akers after the Patriot game, like he was the second coming of Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk. And this is and this is what he gives me: fifteen carries, sixty-three yards on the ground, averaging four point two yards carry. Really, longest run of the game was eleven yards. Really, Jared Goff barely throws for over two hundred yards passing. Really, throws interception. Really. This is what we're going to do now. McVeigh. Well, all I ever hear about McVeigh this, McVeigh that, get getting out coached by Adam Gase. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And I'm supposed to take you all seriously as a playoff team that was contender in the NFC? Nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. I don't want to hear anything about the... I don't, I, let me tell you something right now. I do not want to hear a peep. I don't want to hear a word. I don't want to hear a phrase. I don't want to hear a sentence. I don't want to hear a statement. I do not want to hear not another word from anybody. From from Rams fans, from McVay fanboys, golf apologists. I do not want to hear not another word from anyone sitting here trying to tell me that this team is right up there with the with the uh, with the Saints, Packers, and dare I say Seahawks, with with competing for the in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, I do not want to hear a word, not a peep. There is not a chance in. Hell, this team is going to the Super Bowl. Not a chance. And I do not want to hear about, and I could care less, about some stupid game that was played two years ago when Goff outplayed Breeze. This is football. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. No one gives a crap about Jared Goff outplaying Breeze in a championship game two years ago. Nobody cares. A lot has changed in two years. No one gives a crap. And I want to hear not a word about McVay being being a top five coach in the NFC. I don't want to hear it, and I do not want to hear it. I don't want to hear anybody simply trying to tell me anything about golf. I don't want to hear anybody simply trying to tell me anything about the Rams competing in the NFC. Nonsense. The Rams walk the Rams walk into Lambeau. I don't give a crap if there are no fans or the place is sold out to the gills. They walk into Lambeau in a playoff setting when it's twenty degrees outside, middle of January. The Rams are not winning that football game. I don't care if the Packers score thirteen points. They are not winning that football game. I don't care if I don't care if, I do I do not care if if they I do not care if the Rams have if the Rams have Kurt Warner Isaac Bruce uh, Isaac Bruce wide receiver Torrey Holt in, lining up in the slot with running with the running backs between uh, running backs altering between Marshall Falk and Eric Dickerson. This is not a Super Bowl team. Not we sit here and get dominated by the Jets. I don't want to hear it. Where well, you don't even score your first touchdown in the game until the third quarter. And I can sit up here and listen about the Saints or excuse me, listen sitting up here trying to hear about the Rams being a big time football team? Hogwash. Nonsense. Everyone and their mother was sitting up here screaming and yelling about Cam Akers and he, and he ran for 63 yards against the Jets for crying out loud. Everyone else in everyone else in America knows how to beat the Jets. Why can't the Rams? And I can hear McVeigh, Well, you know, we gotta do a better job and it's like uh, the back to your stomach. McVeigh, can you shut the shut up with, with all your little stupid cliches, please? And like my gr- please. What do you think enough with enough of the cliche not the cliche nonsense? Cut cut through the crap, cut through the smoke and mirrors. Just coming right out and say, you know what, we suck. I don't need to hear, well, I'm disappointed in this. So I take responsibility. This is a gut punch of this. It's going to be hard to get over. I yeah, blah, blah, blah. Shut up. Shut up. Please. Shut up. But I, I do not want to hear not a word from anyone. Mike and the OC, that includes you. I do not want to hear not a word from anybody. here trying to tell me that this Rams team is, 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 is an NFC favorite to go to the Super Bowl. Not a chance in hell. Because this quarterback is so wishy-washy and so inconsistent, it, 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 it will blow your mind to a million pieces. One game, he looks like Kurt Warner. The next game, he looks like Tim Tebow throwing the football. Rams stay hot, or excuse me, the Chiefs stay hot. They win another game, knocking off the uh the New Orleans Saints by the final score of thirty two to twenty nine. Patrick Mahomes did his thing. What else is new? Uh, then turn over the football, but you, you got to give the Saints an awful Saints defense. I know they gave up thirty two points in the game, and uh, you know they uh, they kept this yeah kept the Kansas City's run game in check. They couldn't get off the field though. to tackle Le'Veon Bell which sealed the deal. They kept uh, the Chiefs made plays when they had to make the plays, but uh, but give the but I understand again, again they gave up thirty two points, but you got to give the Saints an awful amount of credit. They sacked Mahomes four times They sacked Mahomes four times. They got Mahomes to fumble twice. They got DeMarcus Robinson to fumble. So they 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 were hungry in the game. They they were going to let Mahomes. Know, they let Mahomes know knew. They let Mahomes know, excuse me, that they were coming for him and this was not going to be an easy day at the office where he'd just come up in here, throw for five hundred yards and four touchdown passes, and walk out of here with the final score fifty-two to nothing without breaking a sweat. He they had to earn and work for those thirty-two points. Saints Saints defensive pass rush was screaming in Mahomes' face all game long. As far as the Saints are concerned, I don't understand why they didn't give it to Alvin Kamara more. You know, knowing that you don't have the knowing that you don't have Michael Thomas, at least until the playoffs, why they why Alvin Kamara only got eleven touches, I do not understand for fifty-four I don't understand that. Making Drew Brees throw the ball over thirty times just you know when he's when his eleven of his ribs were broken and he had a collapsed lung and this is his first game in what, three, four weeks? And, and and Drew Brees is throwing the ball over thirty times a game, and Alvin Kamara touches the ball, you know, less than 20, 11 times to be exact. I mean, the same. If you want, if you want to look at how why the Saints didn't win this game, just look at the offense. Alvin Kamara should have gotten more touches, and Drew Brees threw the ball too much for someone who was rusty and who was still in his in his physical funk from being sidelined for quite some time with the with those rib injuries. Fifteen for thirty-four, two hundred thirty-four yards passing. Honestly, he threw three touchdown passes, but it, it it was not a pretty game for Drew Brees. He looked old. He looked washed up. Not a pretty game. And if you're the Saints, you gotta you gotta hope and pray that Drew Brees can make a quick turnaround. Win out when the rest of these two games finish the season twelve and four, and then see what happens playoff time. Because if Drew Brees ain't clicking, they have no chance. And those Taysom Hill and went. They need Drew Brees on the field, but if Drew Brees ain't playing well, he ain't doing him no favors on the back end either. And that's a game that the Saints had to win, had to win if they wanted any chance of getting that number two seed. If of getting that number one seed in the NFC, it's a game that they had to have in order for them to get that bye. They lose two in a row after riding an eight-game win streak. Hopefully, the Saints will snap out of it. Uh, this weekend. While Kansas City stays hot, they remain and finish the season undefeated away from Arrowhead Stadium. They won all eight of their games on the road. You know, eight home games, eight road games. They finished the season undefeated away from Arrowhead Stadium and improved the 13-1 on the season. They have the number one seed in the uh, AFC because of uh, Pittsburgh losing to my Bengals. I'll get to that after the break. But that is where you stand as far as Kansas City and the Saints are concerned. Uh, the Chiefs again, they were not—they were not pretty on offense under any circumstances. They were not; uh, they did not blow you away by any stretch of the imagination. Which you know, it's a good thing because they know how to win ugly. And then you also, and then of course, if you got, and of course, if you have a sense and have a feel of what's been going on the last couple of weeks, you you're sitting there in the back of your mind going. And it's only a matter of, t- unless we like you know fix the little things and get real detailed about it. It's only a matter of time before a team picks us off in the playoffs where we may not have our A game, but but Mahomes by himself won't be enough to dig us out of a hole because because your because their opponent may be you know have the all their eyes dotted and T's crossed when we don't and Mahomes by himself might not be enough to win the game. Keep in mind, and keep in mind as great as Mahomes is, there's still that inexperience factor that plays a part in this as well. You know, Mahomes is, has not been or has not been behind center as an NFL quarterback for fifteen years. He still is a young guy who has yet to improve and to and to Yet learn the ins and outs and the intricacies of playing good quality football. Great, don't get me wrong, but he but he still is a young guy, and he and he still has that tendency to make that dumb bonehead uh, young young uh, you know old rookie slash young veteran mistake that a lot of guys in in his point of his career. Uh, are prone to making at some point or another during their uh, early stages of their career so I'm just, uh, again, I'm not, again, I said it last week and I'll say it again. I'm not going to hand the Super I'm not handing the Lombardi Trophy to Kansas City yet because I still, because even though they may be the best team in the AFC, I'm not sold on the fact that uh, they can beat everyone that comes in their path come playoff time or even Super Bowl. I think that they'll get picked off by who? I don't know, but but it would not shock me if Kansas City gets picked off in January and isn't uh and isn't uh and is in uh hoisting a Lombardi trophy come February seventh because even though they won the game, they were very spotty on offense. The Saints pass rush overwhelmed them at certain parts of the game and Mahomes was not perfect. Was not perfect. And we're gonna see how bad that injury to Clyde Edwards Alaire will hurt him come playoff time. And 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 we'll really get to test the waters and see if Le'Veon Bell is going to return back to old form, or will he be washed up and uh, an old fossil like uh, many of other like many other running backs of uh, NFL's past? But that remains me seeing seen. And as far as the Saints are concerned, again, they got to get Drew Brees clicking back on all cylinders asap, and in the and in the time period that it will take for him to get back on track, they got to give Alvin Kamara the ball more than 11 times in the game and that safety that the Saints had at the end of the half uh it, ju- it just shows you just how pivotal that how pivotal that was because if that would have been seven points instead of two you would have had you they would have walked into halftime with what with a four, with a 14 14 lead and who knows how the rest of the game would have would would have turned out but that's where you stand as far as the Chiefs and the Saints are concerned. The Browns and the Giants, then we'll take a break and get to and get to my uh, Bengals. Uh the Browns 20 6 against the Giants. I don't understand what that play call was going forward on fourth down at the beginning of that game for the Giants. Freddie Kitchens was calling the plays instead of Jason Garrett because Jason Garrett had COVID, so it's Freddie Kitchens, you know, calling those bonehead ass nine plays. What else is new? So, uh, and the Giants offense is inept, it can't run the football, passing game's not good, plus with Colt McCoy, what else can you do? So, as that's what you're saying as far as the Giants. The Browns, 10-4, um, oh so close to clinching their first uh, playoff spot in quite some time. Baker Mayfield had another stellar game, 27 for 32, 297 yards passing and two touchdown receptions. Just an all-around good effort by... The Cleveland Browns. That is how we wrap up this opening monologue week 15 recap. Take a break. Monday Night Football recap coming up right after this. Welcome back to the I'm podcast. Switching gears now. For once, it's something positive. To recap, the Bengals and Steelers game was played on Monday Night Football. And this is going to be an interesting scenario on how I break this down. So I'll split it up into two parts. I'll give you the Bengals side first. Take a break. And then I got plenty of things. From objectively, I want to say about uh, Pittsburgh, but as a uh, home, as a quote-unquote homer, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I gave you my side of it first. Uh, first of all, before I break down the game, I went into that game. Here, well, here's what typically ever since Bro got hurt, you know, the, I like seasons been lost. I've been annoyed at Taylor. I've been annoyed at the ownership, which I still am. Don't get me wrong. And I'm pretty much like, yeah, season's over. I haven't worn my bangle stuff since the weekend Burrow got hurt. And it was just like, and I knew we are playing on Monday night. Couldn't flex that. So I got up, and I didn't even, it was just weird, because when my team plays on Monday night, I get really into it. But I was like, yeah, they're going to get stomped anyway, getting bare as blood but- you know the B- Bengals social media put up over the twenty four hours till Monday night next week. It's our turn on Monday. I was like, yeah, for us, to, yeah, for us to get our asses kicked. But you know. so and I, you know, I put on my LeBron James uh, Nike hoodie, gray hoodie, and I, I think I had on my long sleeve Jordan Jordan uh, shirt. Uh, so I, di- I didn't even have any Bengals gear on that entire day and even during the game. I'm just like, you know what? I'm just sit down, watch this game. You know, if they lose, whatever happens, happens, you know, and just watch it w- with with no emotion in it whatsoever. And then, they, you know, they stay in the game. They make a couple stops. I'm like, well, this is how the Bengals normally do. You know, they give you false hope, fools go, you know, they make a couple of stops, it takes their opponent a while for them to figure them out, and then they figure them out, and then the game's gone. Like, I've seen this movie many a times before. And then I was like, well, it's just the first quarter, so got like, you know, three more quarters left to screw it up. I mean, it's Ryan Philly, not Joe Burrow. I mean, this team's two ten and one for a reason. But... uh, and then, you know, and then it's, and we're up 3 nothing, And then midway through to th- through the fourth quarter, or excuse me, late in the first quarter. And I already knew about the situation with Juju and the TikTok dancing and heard what Von Bell said last Friday about, well, we're going to teach him a lesson in between the lines if he doesn't stop it. And he ended up dancing before pregame, uploaded on TikTok, out of all the social media, internet blew up, whatever. And then a crossing route, and then he runs that crossing route late in the first quarter, and when Von Bell lit Juju Smith-Schuster's ass up like the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center, I right then and there got into the game. I got into it. I'm sorry. Call me a simp. Call me me weak-minded. Call me whatever you want. As soon as that hit, as soon as Von Bell laid down the wood, I was into it. I couldn't help myself. It was like this is Steelers and Bengals football. We're home. It's Monday night. I now I didn't get all the way emotionally invested in it until after you know till third quarter. You know till right around halftime. So I still was like one foot in, one foot out the door, but. That got me emotionally invested in it. I'm sorry. When it's my football team laying down the wood to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the same team that's kicked our behind five years in a row, previously last month when we went up to Pittsburgh and they creamed us, I'm sorry. And when the last time we were in a playoff game, they beat us. It becomes personal to me. It's like throw the records out the window. It's Steelers-Bengals Monday Night Football, Monday Night Before Christmas. Let's go! And as soon as Von Bell laid down in the wood, I was in the game. Did not put on my Bengals gear because I didn't want to jinx them or anything like that. But uh, so I sat there rooted as rooted like hell for him in my Jordan shirt and my LeBron James hoodie. No Bengals hat. No Bengals anything. But I, I was, at, from the Vaughn Bell hit on, was totally into it. And I could not believe it that they actually held on to win that game. From the ref ball with the pass interference, you know, and then get, that, had, that had him score a touchdown to get him back into the game. I mean, I was, I was like, really? And I could, and I was, when you're a Bengals fan, you expect Bad things that happen to your team, you especially when you play Pittsburgh, you you expect it, you expect it. So on that fourth down, so on that fourth down, with that Pittsburgh didn't get that sealed the game. I would have been jumping up and down in jubilation, but it was more or less as a sigh of relief. Because I'm sitting up here watching, I'm like, I know, I know the flag's coming. Where's the, where's the pass interference? Where's the holding? Where's the illegal contact? Where's the roughing? Where's the roughing the passer? It's like you, you know, when you're a Bengals fan and you've put up with so much crap throughout the throughout the years, you pretty much expect the bad. You pretty much expect bad things to happen. To you. It's just like, come on, where's the catch? Where's it? Where's? And then it was no flag. There was no flag. And then it's like. And then we get the ball back. it's just hold. Don't pull a Jeremy Hill. Just hold on to the ball. And it's like, holy crap! We won. We we actually won this football game. We we actually won this football game. Four, what the fourteen point underdogs. We won the game. This eleven and two football team, first place in the division. That's just shooting to make the playoffs. Our season was over when Burrow got hurt, like we not like we were making the playoffs anyway, but without Joe Burrow, without uh, we were on a third string quarterback, and we and we won the game. I mean I was I mean I was like are are you kidding me? It it it, it was unbelievable. I mean it, it it I mean it was just like like it was it was like I was like is this, is this real life? I mean, am I dreaming? Somebody pinched me, so I was like, I, "I cannot, I cannot believe what I'm watching." We won this, we won this football game. I mean, I was, I like, "What?" It was, it was, it, it was, it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. With a third we beat him with a third string quarterback, second string running back, Giovanni Bernard ran the football for a change. See what happens, Zach Tid, when you're on the football, good things happen. Second string running back, third string right tackle, second string tight end, first and second string defensive tackles out, and our second corner and linebacker was out, and we beat an eleven and two football team first base down division that has kicked our butts for the last five years in a row. I mean it was, it was it was like it was like a dream. I mean, I mean I tweeted it out then and I'll say it truly was a Christmas miracle. It was 14 the by the way the second biggest upset in the history of Monday football, 14 point underdogs beating St- I mean it it was it was, it was it was crazy. It was a Christmas miracle. We never win, never win on it's been prior to last night it had been 6 years since the Bengals last won on Monday night football. We don't win on Monday night football. We don't win on nationally primetime games. We don't beat Pittsburgh. It was I mean literally all the stars Pittsburgh was reeling having lost two straight to to Washington and then Buffalo that you would figure this would be the perfect game for Pittsburgh to get right back on track and you know have the little scrimmage practice game against the Bengals to clinch the division and then go beat the dog crap out of the Colts and the uh, Browns to end the season. But it was the exact opposite. Literally all the stars were aligned for Pittsburgh to win a game only for the exact opposite to happen for Cincinnati to essentially dominate, for the most part, from quarter one to quarter quarter four. I mean, I thought the Tennessee game was the biggest win of the season. This trumps the Tennessee game. This is the biggest win of season. The biggest win of the season. Monday night football at home, hated rival Pittsburgh. Break, uh, breaking our five game losing streak against Pittsburgh, and then the losing streak we already had. Hadn't and coming into that game on Monday night, we had not won a game since we beat Tennessee back in the beginning of November. Went a whole month without winning. I mean, it was crazy. I could not believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And as far as the game, as far as the game is concerned, listen, this and this is how this is how we won the game. We didn't turn over the football. Uh, Brian Finley didn't do anything stupid. He didn't try to do too much. Didn't turn over the football, which which is which is I don't which is like. The key to winning football games is you cannot turn off the football. You don't turn off the football, you'll be in pretty decent shape. Did turn off the football, like I said, we ran the ball for a change with uh, with Giovanni Bernard, who ran for uh, who ran for eighty three yards on twenty five carries, which wasn't which wasn't in any way, shape, or form terrible. We caught Pittsburgh off guard. I have been on Zach's. Tail like white on rice, but I give him credit. He mixed it up a little bit with the play coins, with the RPOs and the read options and the quarterback draws. Give him credit for that. Caught Pittsburgh off guard. Pittsburgh didn't see that coming. Secondary made plays. It could have had about five, six interceptions in the game. Ball was hitting Bengals' secondary members off the hands in between the numbers. They could have had five interceptions at that game. Secondary made plays. Fourth down to put the game away. Secondary was all over the place on Monday night. And And we had a good pass rush. We got the Big Ben. We made him sweat. Made him sweat a little bit. Made him hold on to the football. Even though we only got... We only sacked him once. But we made Big Ben sweat a little bit. Which you absolutely like. Not Anna. And the thing that I loved about this game more than anything else is the fact that the Bengals, unlike in previous years, a la Vantez Perfect and that entire fiasco, the Bengals played physical football with Pittsburgh. Within the confines of the rules, They didn't sit here and try to break guys' legs this slow, you know, with the cheap and dirty cheap shots. They didn't do it. They didn't pull any of that crap. They played physical football within the confines of the rules, which I absolutely loved about it. They knew how to play physical and to get their point across, like they weren't to get their point across that like they weren't playing around without going over the line and 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 pushing the envelope. I love that. I love that about that game. Absolutely loved it. And at the and then the bottom line is that and I'll, this is it. And then I'll take a break. And get to Pittsburgh. They wanted it more than than the Steelers did. They were motivated. They were hungry. They wanted it more. Two ten and one win football team, and they had more fight and had more passion in that game than Pittsburgh did, which you absolutely love to see. This team could have laid down and just gave the game to Pittsburgh, saying, you know what, what the heck, season's over, we have no chance, Ryan Finley with 14-point underdogs, what's the point of even bother to try? And they they gave Pittsburgh everything they got from from a defensive standpoint to an offensive standpoint. And if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan or someone who loves rooting against the Pittsburgh Steelers or a Ravens fan or a Browns fan rooting against Pittsburgh to try to uh, make that Week 17 game at the end of the season worth something, you love to see it. You love to see it. Christmas, miracle. Christmas came early and it was in the form of the Bengals getting a Monday Night Football victory. Take a break. I got plenty of things to say about Pittsburgh right after this. <laughs> Welcome back to the AmTalk TIS podcast. Let's go to the Pittsburgh side of things, and I got plenty to say about Pittsburgh. First of all, I am so sick and tired of Juju Smith Schuster and the, and his TikTok dancing and the and the immaturity of this entire ordeal. I I'm, I'm, I'm not, as an outsider who. Despises the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm done. I I, 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 I can't take this anymore. And I know, the, and I know the diehard Steeler fan feels the exact same way I do. That isn't a Juju Smith Schuster apologist. That's got a sense in a form of. Uh, I am so sick and tired of him and his tick-talking nonsense. I'm done. Juju, you are a grown man. Grown. Man who is blessed enough to play wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the National Football League. You are, get off of the TikTok. You are, how old is he? Was he in his late, in his mid late 20s? You're, you're 25, 26, 27, 28 years of age, okay? You're not 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, okay? Tough for you to grow up and put your big boy pants on and get your priorities in check. Okay, I, 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 stop with this, okay? You did it against Buffalo, and and, and, and you you did it against Buffalo in in the, in up at Orchard Park a week and a half ago, and you riled up Buffalo, and you, and you got Josh Allen and and the, and the Bills all annoyed. You lost that game, and they gonna sit up, and then Von Dus appeared in the press conference last Friday, say, you know what? It's disrespectful. I can't stand it. I don't like it. I hate it when he does it. He does it against us. I'm going to teach my lesson in between the white lines. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, before the first quarter is even over with, Von Bell lays down the wood. I mean, did, did he and Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin not see this coming? I, mean, I mean, what does Mike Tomlin do all day? What does what is, what, what is he do? How does he allow this foolishness within his locker room to take place? How does he allow it? How does he allow it? You won 11 in a row. You got ambushed by Washington, and you got dominated by Buffalo in front of everybody on the road. How does he allow this to continue to take place? How do you allow your wide receiver that's supposed to be your number one wide receiver to replace Antonio Brown? How do you allow him to go crazy like this and to be such of a distraction with this TikToking nonsense that he motivates a team that was dead as a doornail heading into this game? How do you allow him to provide motivation to a team that's supposed to be dead and out of it? You're an 11 football team trying to win your division, get into the playoffs, and compete for a Super Bowl. The Bengals are focused on focused on 2021, getting Bro back, building an offensive line, and looking forward towards the future. What well, the Bengals don't care about 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 the playoffs or the Super Bowl. What you, they're, they're done. They're dead. They're they were, they're finished. How does Mike Tomlin allow Juju Smith Schuster to get away with this nonsense? And then Mike Tomlin after the game, since parents says, "Well, we'll, we'll talk. To, I'll talk to Juju about. I'll talk to Juju about it after the game. I'll, I'll talk to Juju about it after the game." And uh, you know, I, I don't think. I don't think it's a distraction. It has to deal or has to deal with the fact that that you know that we've lost games. Michael, wake up. Okay, you did it. They did it against Buffalo. Buffalo, who is. A complete 180 of the Cincinnati Bengals team in 2020. You did it against Buffalo, and Josh Allen was caught on tape before they took the field about how he took exception to it and was all annoyed and was all bothered by it, and and said, you know what? We'll let them do all the dancing. We'll go ahead and lay the and bring the wood and do and do the dirty work. If Buffalo has a problem with it. Why, why wouldn't Cincinnati have a problem with it, especially like in the Buffalo game on primetime television in front of in front of America, not against you know a little f- not they was not a regional game mixed into the shuffle at one o'clock on CBS uh-uh this is Monday night football in front of a, in front of America. So if Buffalo took exception to it that is actually playing for something, why wouldn't Cincinnati take exception not take exception to it? A division rival, who's also the home team, playing in the similar set of circumstances on primetime national television. Why, 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 why wouldn't they do it? I understand that the two ten and one and 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 Zach Taylor is not exactly uh, Paul Brown by any stretch of the imagination, but my goodness gracious, these guys are human. These are professionals, and they do take pride in what they do for a living. You think think they're just going to let you come up in here and do your little stupid TikTok dances would stink for your little 13-year-old fan club that could give a crap about Steelers and Bengals on Monday Night Football and allow allow you to come into their house, do your little dance, get away with it? Not a chance. And how does Mike Tomlin allow this foolishness to keep on happening? Saying, well, it doesn't affect your games. Really, Mike? He's done it back-to-back games, and your team's lost, and lost badly and got embarrassed. You go all up and down the internet, Instagram, tick, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok even, where, where, TikTok, YouTube. You go all up and down the internet, and all you see is is the, is the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, and Juju Smith-Schuster getting dragged across the internet because you see the pair and, the, and they do these stupid antics, and all they do is lose football games. Does Mike Tomlin not think this isn't going to get the isn't going to get the opponents riled up and pissed off? If he thinks that, then what universe is Mike Tomlin living on? I mean, I mean seriously. I mean, we are, like Shannon Sharp said. We know what it's doing for the brand of Juju Smith Schuster. But what is it doing to help the brand and the team of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Right, here's your answer: nothing. They've lost their third game in a row. Washington's a gritty football team competing for the playoffs at two. They were bound to lose a game. Okay, fine. Buffalo's a good football team. Fine. What's the what's their excuse? What's their excuse? What's their excuse for losing to the Bengals? A two ten and one. Bengal team without their starting quarterback, their running back is out is out for the rest of the season with a foot injury, had injuries, injuries and guys missing up and down the lineup. Team is shot, flat as a pancake. How do you allow them? How do you allow them, a team who you've dominated for the past five years, to essentially embarrass you on Monday night football in front of the entire country? I don't get it. I do not get it. And I don't understand Mike Thomas' logic Well, it doesn't affect the team in wins and losses. Really? Because Von Bell and Josh Allen beg to differ. The records, the results of the game, Josh Allen, Von Bell, they beg to differ, Mike. I I hate to break it to you. Hate to break it to you. I mean, I mean Juju Smith-Schuster has more TikToks on his page, 95 TikToks that he even made and uploaded on that stupid page, is than he has receiving yards in a game, 93. Think about that for a minute. Ever since Antonio Brown left, he has never had a 100-yard receiving game since Antonio Brown has left. Think about that. And I'm supposed to take Juju Smith, Houston, seriously as a big time wide receiver? Nonsense. He is no place. Nonsense. I'm supposed to take him seriously? He sleep here TikTok dance like a 12 year old. This guy has more TikToks produced on his page than he does receiving yards. And since Antonio Brown has been gone from the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, he has not had a hundred yard receiving game since. And that and, and that's just the fact of the matter of it and that and it is what it is. Case closed, you can't defend it. And the, fact that, and the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers hid Juju Smith-Schuster from the media after the game is another disgrace. So let me get this straight. He he. So let me get this straight. Back to back games. He goes out there. There's his little stupid TikTok dances for the for the uh, for the TV cameras and for his and for his stupid social media accounts. Josh Allen, the Bill see They get pissed off. They beat the brakes off of Pittsburgh. He does it again in Cincinnati. Von Bell warned him the week before about doing it. Von Bell lays down the lays down the wood embarrasses him in front of America with his memes all over the place all up and down the internet everywhere you look and and, they they their offense is inept. Is all is all is all get out. Ben Rockensberger is old, washed up, and stinks. They can't run the football. Receivers can't catch anything longer than or longer than a five-yard flat route out the backfield. And and Juju's gonna sit up here and, and 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 the Pittsburgh PR departments is gonna hide Juju Smith-Schuster away from the media so he don't so he doesn't have to uh, answer the bell after the game. No pun intended. Really. Causes a major fracas, gets two teams back-to-back weeks riled up. the offense stinks in both of the in both of the games. They get embarrassed in front of in front of everybody. Their offense is inept. Causes a major fracas. He gets embarrassed, hit sticks. Like really? And then he's gonna sit up here and and and, and hide and and hide and hide himself in the in the, media, in, the uh, in the closet room after the game. Really? They can't run the football passing game stinks and if, and if and if you notice in their opening drive in the third quarter they his how they beat Cincinnati was with the passing routes and the pass patterns five ten yards the the, the Cincinnati bengals defense was like look we'll send'll'll we'll, we'll stack will will make Big Ben sweat in the pocket and we, and will basically protect anything thrown fifteen yards plus down the field. If we, if we give if we give up a screenplay, we give up a flat route going across the middle, we'll lift, but we're not going to let big Ben beat us down the field the Pittsburgh is in major 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 trouble major trouble. every team in the AFC and you cannot sit up here and tell me why, why there isn't a team in the AFC that 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 can't beat them. They are no longer Super Bowl favorite. I thought that after the after the Washington game, no longer do I think that now they are in major trouble. Now the three seed in the AFC, they lost the tiebreaker to Buffalo because they lost the Buffalo, and Cleveland is on the tail in the AFC North. And again, Juju with the tick I understand that Juju stopped with the TikTok dancing. I get that, I get that, but I get that. But hiding out in the media room after the game, after he'd riled up two opponents, putting a huge target on him and his teammates' back, and he doesn't have the guts, the courage, the chutzpah to face the media after the game. That is a joke. An absolute joke. And again... All I ever hear about is Mike Tomlin this, Mike Tomlin that, being a big time NFL head coach. Why is he allowing this foolishness? It was Antonio Brown a couple years ago with the Facebook watch after, uh, it, with the Facebook watch after the Chiefs playoff game, and now this. Give me a break. Take a break. Back after. This. Welcome back to the Amatelke TIUs podcast. Switching gears now to college football as far as uh, the final four uh, college football rankings are concerned. And, uh, Nah, I tell you. They they need to fix this college football stuff because this is this is this is ridiculous. How in the world does Ohio State and Notre Dame make the final four? And I understand people are going, well, Ohio State they won the Big 10 and they have the best team out of four anyway and blah 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 blah, nobody gives a crap. When you don't play your games, you don't deserve to get in. Bottom line, they played six. They played six games. Alabama played 11. Clemson played 11. Notre Dame played 11. Play play your games, okay? Play your games. Play your games. Play your games, okay? Playing 8, 9, 10, I can live with it. Playing 6, really? 6, half the schedule? You don't deserve to get in. I'm sorry. That's how I feel. You don't deserve to get in. You don't. And if they do this and if they are gonna put them in, they need to expand it to six, eight teams. Cause how cause the fact that Ohio State and Notre, the fact that Ohio State got in and teams like and teams like Cincinnati who went undefeated and won their conference did not, and Coastal Carolina who went undefeated, shout out to my man um Reese and Reese. Um Nyon and um uh uh, Maurice down there coastal Carolina, the fact that if that that's uh, that's where they go to school, the fact that they didn't get in and Cincinnati didn't get in and, and Ohio State did because they're Ohio State and part of the Big Ten and Cincinnati and coastal Carolina are not is a joke. Is an absolute joke, and if you're going to put Ohio State in, you got to expand it to six, eight teams to allow the the Coastal Carolinas and the Cincinnatis and the Texas A and M's of the world an opportunity to play for a national championship. Because this Final Four system is not the answer. And if you're going to be so strict on it being the Final Four teams, why is Notre Dame in? They barely beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. And they got the brakes beaten off of them by Clemson in the conference championship game. They were not competitive in that football game. So watch, watch every play, watch every down. They were not competitive in that football game under any circumstances. So if you're going to be strict with the four, why is Clemson and They lost the conference championship. They lost the conference championship and all this thing. And what they stretch is you got to win your conference, got to win your conference, got to win your conference. Yet Notre Dame's in and teams like and teams like Cincinnati who won their conference are out and they went undefeated Notre Dame did not and it's a mess they need to expand it and and they need to have a more concrete system of how to get in it can't just be because you're part of the power five conference and you have the uh you know the sexy school that everyone recognizes with the mascot and the colors and all that nonsense you get in because, it's more. It's not. It's not a playoff to decide a champion for foot for the for the Division One A college football season. It's more or less a one big commercial to show off for the advertisers to show off to show off the schools. You know, for you know, for kids like me, like kids like me, a la last year, looking to see what college I want to go to and spend the next four years of my life at. That's what it is. About advertising dollars and selling the college and, and selling that school to America. Instead of it being about crowning a champion. Because that, that's what it should be about. It should be about crowning a champion and, and, and figuring out who's the best team of the college football season. Not about advertising Clemson, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State to America. And God forbid we give any love to the Cincinnati's or the Coastal Carolinas of the world because because they aren't Ohio State or playing the ACC, SEC, Big Ten or, uh, or you any, know or anything of that nature. That's a joke and it has to change and it has to fit and it, need, and it needs to and it needs to be fixed. 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 Ohio State, Notre Dame get ran out. We'll get ran out the building. We'll, we'll come, come those, come those, uh, come those bowl games, and we'll be sitting right back to square one with Alabama and Clemson. I mean, it gets tedious and it gets boring after a while to be. It, it really, really does. I mean, people kill the NBA. There's no parity. It's the same teams in every single year. Well, look, if college football doesn't straighten up and fly right, it's headed. It's headed in that exact same direction, unless they fix it, and unless they change it, and unless they get some central governing body. Not all these little individualistic garbage where the where the schools are more powerful than a conference and the conference presidents have no clue, and it's, it's just a complete mess. Unless there's a central force in there that's going to take this thing by the horns and essentially deal with this process and leave this like the NFL does, it's going to be a complete mess from here on out. Complete mess. Let, 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 alone, let alone the fact that Corona got in the way, it's going to be a complete mess. Complete mess from here on out. Complete mess. Complete and utter mess and chaos. Well, thank you. For listening to another episode of the Amatalki T.I.S. podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatalki underscore podcast. And the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T.I.S. It's your boy, Jai Shields. Have a safe, healthy, and Merry Christmas, everybody. For those of you out there that celebrate, it's your boy, Jai Shields. Talk to you Saturday. Y'all stay safe. Y'all take care. See ya.